0: everyone welcome back to the just interesting people podcast my name is rosie and i'm here with my co-host and husband jeremy as usual and today we are talking to rodrigo
1: guys you're in for a treat with this conversation with rodrigo we talk about growing up in brazil with a very grateful and spiritual mother and how that impacted his life traveling around the world moving to england moving to sweden learning english being a very curious and adventurous guy to see the wonder of the world Rodrigo had a very unfortunate accident in Brazil, fell and broke his spine since this accident has been in a wheelchair and in the second part of this episode we go through the challenges he has to face every day as a person living in a wheelchair, the treatment and the looks of other people, the work that has to be done in a society in terms of accessibility and representativity but also how he decided to help other people in the same situation through yoga. He's now a yoga teacher and he's specializing in yoga for disabled. He's doing the best he can to help people in wheelchair reconnect with their body and heal the trauma through yoga. Very cool and informative episode we hope you enjoy it
0: hi Rodrigo welcome to the podcast thank you so much for being here today
2: thank you it's, uh, thank you for inviting me
1: <laughs> thank you so much very excited to learn a little bit more about your life and your journey we have been collaborating on the yoga teacher training that we are gonna be uh, bringing in a few months and i've been through your instagram and your website and chatting to you i've been learning about about you about the work that you do and about how you get there and and, and i think there is a lot of value in sharing your stories to as many people as possible um, so yeah i mean we we're gonna start from the beginning you know you're from brazil uh, and you're actually currently in brazil do you want to tell us a little bit uh, about your country, about your bringing over there?
2: Yeah, sure. Thank you for inviting me for this conversation, Jeremy and Rosie. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Rodrigo Souza. I am 40 years old. Uh, my pronouns are he and him, and I was born and raised in Brazil. You know, Mama was, she is, she's not dead, so thank God for that. Mama is a very free spirit woman. And uh, we lived in, in many different places in Brazil, you know. We lived uh, in an island. We lived in a big city, in a small city, in the countryside. You know, she she kept traveling while she was raising us. You know, like uh, old school hippie, you know, based on love decisions <laughs> kind of woman. And uh, I remember that by the time I was 17, I have lived in, I don't know, Fifteen different cities and like over fifty different houses mm-hmm. and and uh yeah, and I was like, uh I was very privileged to have this upbringing because you know I learned how to to float between between places, and um uh, I started traveling when I was seventeen, I told mama mama now it's uh it's my turn, <laughs> and uh uh I started traveling around Brazil. I went to live with my grandmother, you know, and uh, when I was 22, my grandmother died and uh, uh, the the place needed to be sold to divide the money between my mother and my aunts. And then uh, I just started living by myself for a while and then I got bored and then I said, you know what, I'm going to live abroad. I, I, I want to learn English. You know, I, I used to listen to... To to the Doors and Nirvana, a lot when I was a teenager, and uh, I used to translate songs, and it's like, wow, I need to learn English, and we don't learn English in Brazil, and uh, mm. All right. I bought a ticket, yeah, so I bought a ticket, and then I went to London. <laughs> I was 22. And uh, I, was, I was. So
1: maybe before be, before we talk about your move to London, uh, I've got a few questions about your upbringing in Brazil. Yeah, it's really interesting. Fifteen places in seventeen years—that's a lot of moving. Yeah, um, it can be. I mean, it's on on a positive side. It's fun because you get to see many places and explore, and it's always new. So you always have this excitement about discovering new places. But also on the maybe a bit negative side, I can see that it can be complicated because when you're young, you like to connect with people, you like to create friendships, you like to feel a sense of belonging in a community and being moving and always being the new kids in a school or in a town or whatever. Was that complicated for you? How did you navigate that? Well, it's like it started to be complicated uh, when I was a
2: teenager because you know I was starting to fell in love with girls, you know, and then that got complicated. It was like when I was a kid, it was I it was like more a sense of adventure because you know I'm I'm a very curious person and uh, everything that's new somehow is interesting. So you know I kept feeding that curiosity stream of thoughts all the time, you know, oh, wow, it's a new city and you know. it's a new playgrounds and new friends. I wasn't, you know, thinking about, oh, I missed this. I was more interested. Oh, yeah, it's, I've got this, you know, some brand new things. So, yeah. And uh, my mama always brought that to us as well, you know, this this kind of mindset, you know, she was I was like, no, you're going to make new friends. It's going to be good for you. And, uh, and then I said, okay, yeah, you know. And then we always follow her. It's like, and she was right in the end, you know. People would call this like uh, unresponsible uh, upbringing, you know. But it's like, um, I guess, I guess it's like there is the the negative and there is the positive. But it's, like, if you choose to to focus on the positive, there will be plenty of positive to be focused on, you know. So that's why we are. Mm-hmm
1: and uh, i guess one of the consequence of moving around like that is that your core was your family right yeah your, yeah your mom and you say this so i guess you have siblings right from what i understand yeah i
2: do have two siblings i'm like uh yeah. the middle child
1: so i guess that was your your home yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. wherever you were yeah your family was very important for you right? i guess
2: yeah 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 it still is yeah and uh, and uh, and uh, it's like um, a good thing that's like you know you you don't you don't get attached to to places and things you know and uh, you become very careless but not careless like uh, in a reckless way of living but careless. Uh, with things that actually don't matter much, if you stop thinking about, you know, what really matters in life, you know, mm. I see, I see, I see, like uh, people close to me that, you know, sometimes they stay in the relationship for too long because they're afraid of changing, or they stay in the same job for too long because they're afraid of, you know, moving or you know they stay in a really uh you know miserable weather city because they're afraid to move to the coast and it's like uh, we don't you know I grew up with that erase of my brain and I look at back and I'm saying, wow you know it's like I'm not afraid of doing anything that's like people are afraid of and it's like I think you know this is a skill I I grew up learning it you know on the doing and uh as i told you it's like uh, you can get good things positive things out of it and that is what i I, you know i focus on
1: yeah that makes sense as as human i think we as a society tend to be scared of changes Uh, Mm. we are scared of the unknown yeah Uh, we we always yeah i might why should i leave this safe situation for something i don't know anything about Uh, yeah too risky and yeah a lot of people spend decades years of their life unhappy in a place just because they're scared of what if on the other side is it's not as good Uh, exactly focusing on this on these negative thoughts rather than all the opportunities that could be opening in front of them and because you had change was just part of your life yeah. <laughs> for so many years. That is, is just a single nature for you to change. I guess it doesn't scare you because it was just normality. Yeah, changing was normal for you. Yeah, you don't
2: get comfortable too much. If it's not good, you change.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you were in Brazil, mm. what was your focus and your dreams? What did you want to? Where where did you imagine you would be, you know, later? What would you think you would be doing in life? Well, it's like uh uh to
2: be honest, uh Jeremy, I never I never thought about it. Like uh mm. like oh I wanna be this or I wanna be there. You know, I was I was like uh, always open to the opportunities that was given me, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh I I was very curious and I I'm I'm still am so it's like I was focused on 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 having like uh, life experiences and you know human relationships you know and meeting people and traveling you know I wasn't uh focused m- in what I want to be professionally and all that you know yeah. I I actually start thinking about that now <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's like uh, before that i was just like you know on the floor and uh, you know mm-hmm. like pretty much doing what i felt like you know
1: and was that encouraged by your family and by your mom uh oh uh, she was Come on, you need to you need to sort your life out. You need to do something, you know. What what was she like? I mean,
2: she is like uh somehow she I got it from her. So it's like uh, uh she always she always she always she always uh just asked me a question, you know. She say Rodrigo, are you are you happy with it? If you're happy with it, do it. You know? Just do it. Go on, do it. You know. I I was like like working many, you know, many different jobs, and then I I got myself into theater school. I, I knew that I wouldn't I wouldn't you know be an actor or make money out of it. I just learned for the sake of learning. I love art. Mm. I like I love drama, and then I spend a lot of time studying something that won't bring me any financial stability. You know, going places just for the sake of curiosity not so. It's like uh, we were very i think we still are like uh, very like uh, intuitive folks you know and uh, i got that from her it's not so it's like <laughs> you know she, she always asked the same thing if you're happy go on and uh, she always actually mention as well it's like it's good that i'm still alive you go if it doesn't Go the way you want You always come back. Mommy's here. Go, go, move, <laughs> travel, do what you want. <laughs> so. She...
0: I love that. That's such a great um, mindset to be taught from a young age. Yeah. Because I think, like Jeremy was saying, a lot of people are scared to do things or to move away or to try new experiences. But having somebody there being like, Do you know what? As long as it makes you happy and you want to do it, go ahead and do it. You can always come home. Yeah, I think that's such a great attitude to learn from a young age that you can carry on throughout your, you know, your whole adult life. Yeah,
2: yeah, and uh, it's like it 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 makes you feel like uh, secure as well. You know, it gives you this extra courage because, like, you know, you know that you always have a place to come back. You know, you and uh, she she, she makes sure she set up set set us up with the the right set of skills but and then she just set us free you know she's just like if you want to do whatever you want to do just do it you know there was no pressure whatsoever you know
1: <laughs> it's still
0: i love that it's
1: still there is no That's pressure brilliant. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so at 22 years old you decide to fly to the uk yeah (laughs) to learn english uh it was really like an impulsive decision or did you have any sort of plan i
2: had a plan to to go abroad to learn english and uh, i thought about going to the west and then i thought about going to new zealand but it didn't have enough money and then i went to london instead you know and um I, i i was supposed to to stay in London for like six, years, uh, six months, and then I ended up staying like for nine years. You know, I just fell in <laughs> love with the place, and <laughs> and uh, you know, I I I just like kept on paying like English schools, and, and then I started studying drama in in, in London as well, and that's like everything went, mm-hmm. you know, went very well for me there, and it's like I spent the, my whole twenties living there, and it's like was was a brilliant time of my life, I must say, you know, I, uh, That must
0: have been quite a change going from Brazil where it's, well, I've never been to Brazil, but I imagine warm and there's a lot of, you know, dancing and yeah. food and culture and things like that to then England, where it's cold and rainy. Yeah, and yeah. I think I have a different view on England because I'm English, yeah. but what mm. was your experience going between the two cultures like that?
2: well it's like uh, uh i always i always love like uh british culture especially for like music you know music wise mm. and um, especially london is full of culture everywhere and I, I i love living there and uh you know i try to make the best out of it and the first the first two or three years you know was was tough i did like really odd jobs you know but and then but and then it's like i was I was like uh, working. I I was like working as a bartender. I was managing bars and restaurants, and then I I was working as a DJ as well over the weekends. You know, play music uh, around Northwest London and uh, Portobello Market. And uh, I used to I used to make money like from I don't know March until November, and then from December to March I used to go traveling. So it's like uh, you know, yeah. I was I was in England in the best part of it, but it's like I,
3: yeah.
2: In in the last 80 years, before I, uh, my accident, it's like like six years in London and about two years in Sweden. I was doing the same thing, you know. By the age of twenty-five to thirty three, I was literally just traveling. It was like getting broke, mm-hmm. make money, getting broke, traveling. <laughs> I I. I, I I I lived in Cuba for like one and a half month. I've been to Mexico, I've been to Sri Lanka, and uh, I drove a car uh, all around US for like three months. I've I I, I I've been to over 40 countries just doing that, you know. And uh, it was like, it uh, was amazing because, you know, uh, I always had a place to go back to, you know, and, uh, yeah. When you earn in in pounds, in British pounds, like you know, for example, when we went to Sri Lanka, it's like everything's so cheap, and you, know? you, you can you can make yeah. you can make a living on the really cheap. So it's like you know you can actually uh, make money for for like six months and and go traveling place like Peru or Bolivia. You can you can live for six months on the really cheap and have an amazing experience meeting people. You know. Getting all new languages and new cultures and eating good food. It's just like, you know, it's, um, it was beautiful everything was very beautiful, you know?
0: So you said you went to 40 countries. Do you have a favorite place that like stands out as like, Oh my God, that was incredible. Best place I ever went to.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, Cuba is my favorite place.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. We've been there. It's beautiful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know now. I've been there in 2011. Fidel was alive. Now, I don't know how it is now. It's just like, you know, But the time I went there, I was, the people, I learned so much. The people is just like, it's unbelievable, you know? Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets you thinking because, you know, you you were raised with all the the films and the books and, and this Che Guevara you know vision of a good revolutionary guy and everything and then you go there and just like mm-hmm. a shock you know and yeah. i was like, like wow <laughs> this is fucked up anyway what's it, like the yeah. people and 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 everything else is just like you know it makes it makes us thinking how privileged we are in the west you know and it's like How how everything for us is is just easy, you know, and and comfortable, you know.
0: I think I had a similar, I think had a similar kind of realization after coming back from Cuba because one of the main things was the lack of um, water. Yeah. So you can't just drink water from the tap; you had to buy bottled water. Yeah. Coming back to Miami and being like. Oh my God, we're so lucky I could just drink water. Exactly. Like, out of the time. It's just like the tiny little things that you take for granted. And then when you go traveling, you kind of realize that that's a huge thing for somebody else and that we're so privileged yeah. with what we have. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's like crazy. I spent like over a month in Cuba and uh, I, re- I remember that I was, I was studying uh, this before I went there. Uh, I was reading about it. And uh, uh, I used to live close to Portobello Market in London. Like, and uh, in the Portobello Market, there is a shop called Pound Shop. I know the Pound Shop, mm-hmm. you know? I.
3: Yeah.
2: You might have that in uh, Lancaster. And uh, I went to the Pound Shop, I think was with like 50, 50 pounds. <laughs> and then I fill up a, a backpack with like those pommel leaf soaps, you know, those, uh, mm-hmm. you know, soaps. Yeah. I bought yeah. like, you know, soaps and pens you know i fill up a backpack and then i took with me and uh we we i was with my ex-girlfriend and we were traveling around uh, the island and and we used to stay in in, in people's house i guess you guys did that too right and uh and uh every time when we was supposed to leave the house to go to another city and then i opened my 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 back and then i gave the host of the house, the one of the house, uh, wants soap, and I was just like, you know i think i think i think I think it's like a, there was a a woman there, like Victoria, she gave me a hug, <laughs> it was just like one of the most strong hug I ever got in my life, you know because I gave her a soap, a piece of soap yeah. for her to wash herself, yeah. you know uh. Another event I was in uh, Santiago de Cuba, down south. And uh, mm-hmm. there was these kids playing like with Holy Man down the street. And then I just gave them a pen, you know. The next day, uh, I was walking by the square. There were like 15 kids following me. That's the uncle of the pen. <laughs> and, then, and then it was like, you know, pen, soaps, really. You know, yeah. this is... It's like, and I was having like, I was having everything I want and then I was never happy enough. You know, it's just like, mm. why am I not happy? You know, I want to be happy. Has has she's happy with like a soap, I want to be happy like her, you know? Mm. Look at the eyes of these kids. I want to be happy like he is, you know, I've got everything. I've got iPod, iPhones, I've got like, you know, a job. And then I was like, what am I complaining about, man? A pen, a pen, a pen
3: yeah
2: and then it's like it it twists my mind i came back to Mm -hmm. i come back to uk after a month and a half in cuba another person you know Mm. it's just amazing experience yeah
1: it it makes you very humble and and down to earth experiencing stuff like that you realize how lucky we as westerners are to have everything that we that we can get like you said yeah in cuba just to buy toothpaste or soap is, is a mission. And here we go to a shop and, and we have 50 different ones, you know, doing all these stupid shit. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. there are more important things in life than all the stuff that we collect. Uh, yeah. I totally, yeah. totally agree with you. Yeah. So at this time, uh, so you like traveling and stuff. Did you have any it's a question to link to what you're doing now a little bit um, any physical activity any, int- any interest in yoga, any interest in spirituality, any interest in movement or that was not part of your life yet?
2: no yeah yeah it's always been part of my life It's like uh, my mother is a very okay. my mother is a very spiritual woman, and uh, we we always you know got to meditate, got to re- to reflect on life. Not not especially doing doing movements, you know. Uh, I got into yoga. I was 28 years old. I was doing Bikram yoga in London. But it was more like I exercise, you know. I used to I used to to like DJ over the weekend, and I used to drink a lot of booze. Like like you know, you live in Britain, you do like the Brits yeah and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's the
0: culture we were talking about <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: and then it's like uh, and then i found this yoga studio in my street i was so happy because like you know i used to go there twice a week sweat everything out you know get healthy and it's like uh, i used to love it but it's like when i used to travel it's like uh, we used to hike a lot you know we used to climb a lot mm-hmm. We used to to keep ourselves fit this way, you know, running, climbing, hiking. You know, a month a month before my accident, I did a hike in the Salkantay Trail in in Peru, from from um, Cusco to Machu Picchu, like uh, sixty five kilometers, walking through the forest and the jungle and the and this and these mountains and uh i used to do that very often you know i i i used to go hiking and, and whenever i can go traveling and you know go go for hikes and 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 climbing hmm. but it's like but it's like uh uh, uh go on sorry
1: i'm oh, sorry um I'm, I'm gonna i'm asking that because meditation and and movement and Even if I don't consider myself very spiritual, I I, I am a little bit more than I was 20 years ago. Um, Mm. How how having meditation and spirituality in your life from an early age do you think affected your personality and the way you see life? Because I I, I know the quote-unquote power of meditation. Mm. I know what it can do in terms of, you know, your mindset and your perspective in the world. Mm. And I guess growing up with this in your life as part of your values from an early age, uh, that must be very interesting, the impact on you, I think.
2: Yeah. It's like, uh, we always being like, uh, trained to be grateful for everything that happened to us, you know, mm. I remember that, uh, my grandfather was a little boy. As like you know seven five years old and then i have this very clear in my mind still today you know uh, we used to sit around the table in my grandfather's place and my mother and you know the rest of my family every wednesday night and uh, we we used to drink water and uh, i remember because that was very boring you know for a kids i i <laughs> I remember my mother was like Rodrigo you need to go and sit on the table. I said, No, I don't want to do that. Let me do anything. No, no, go on. Anyway, I, I didn't understand back then. But it's like uh, I remember that my grandfather was thanking everything that has happened in our life for the past week. You know. Mm. Thank you for the the guy that brings us milk last week. Thanks thank for you know everything. Thank 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 for the rain last Tuesday. Thank for, you know, everything. And then you used to take like an hour and a half or something, this gratitude practice. And then it's like, uh, and then my mother always, you know, have this gratitude thing with her as well. It's like, you know, look to life with the glass, how full, you know, let's say. Mm. And... uh, Life sometimes was not very nice to us. Like it's not very nice to anyone, it's to everyone. It's like you know, it's mm-hmm. like you know, you if you go through really hard times sometimes. But it's like when, when, when we went through hard times, you know, we try to to use this skill that we were taught. So it's like was was a good thing to learn. You know, was a very good thing to learn. I must say.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah, that that might be one of the most underrated and one of the most valuable skills you can i think have just yeah being appreciative and grateful for things you have in life because it totally changes your perspective and your mindset and and you go from a how yeah you call it maybe a victim a victim yeah. mentality to uh to you know uh, i'm thankful for all the opportunity i have in my life mentality and yeah switch yeah uh, it's very simple, but has a massive impact on how you live yeah. every day.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, my mother, she had like uh, a really tough way of love, you know, of like showing us affection and stuff. You know, sometimes sometimes we used to complain to her that we want something. Oh, mama, I want that. Oh, mama, I don't have that. And, you know, and uh, <laughs> this is crazy. And it's like... Uh, I remember walking with her and in Brazil there, there is like a big social problem That's like we have street kids, we have, you know, and uh, my mother, she used to bring street kids back home and feed them and educate them, you know, and uh, she always used to look at us as like, "What are you guys complaining about the gun? What, what you don't have? What is it that you don't have? And then we're like... You know <laughs> you know it's just like when you experience that as a kid, like you know you you see things with bright eyes, I must say, <laughs> you know everything is it's just like like, wow, you know, it's tough, you know it's like you know i i was, I was raised in a very conventional way, I must say, you know, <laughs> mm. yeah.
0: That's also such a great lesson to learn, though, as a child. Like, I think a lot of us, when we go travelling maybe in our 20s or maybe even 30s or maybe even 40s, and then you see maybe the other side of things and you see maybe
1: Mm. people
0: with less money and less things, and then it kind of shocks you, like, oh, shit, like, people Mm. live like this. But Mm. seeing as a child, that must have been quite... I don't know. I guess lots of different things, like, educational for a start and also make you realise, you know, how lucky you are. yeah. I yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just like the fact that your mum did that for like for you is like a gift for you to see that, yeah. you know, you are so lucky that like I see it as a gift, honestly, that she you know she did that for you. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Today I see as a gift as well. But it's like uh, when you were a kid, you know, you just want to be a kid, right? But it's like, yeah. yeah. You just want to have the toy. I realize now.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. You don't, <laughs> yeah, you
2: don't want another brother in your house, you know, or another sister yeah. that you don't ask to. It's like, okay, cool. But it's like, yeah,
0: just give me the toy. <laughs> yeah,
2: we learned, we learned. And I was like, you know, Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what motivated you to leave the UK to go to Sweden after nine years?
2: I fell in love.
1: <laughs> uh, it's always like that right
2: <laughs> yeah 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 it's like uh i remember that we were both both like exhausted uh about living in in UK because the rent is so expensive you know i i i remember that we were paying something like 1800 pounds in a studio in North West london it's just like a, a shithole yeah and I was like, "Wow, this is this is crazy. We need to get out of here." <laughs> We've been doing that for so long, you know. And uh, I was I was thirty years old. She was twenty seven. And then I was like, I was working my ass off, like seventy eight hours a week. She was doing, you know, a lot of hours as well. And then I was like, I invited her to come to Brazil with me. She's from Sweden, you know. And uh, after. I think after like uh three years, we were together and then uh we came to brazil we 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 stayed here like for like four months and then I remember that my mother had a car, and then we took the car and then we drove like uh, all the way to the coast, the Brazilian coast was so like eleven thousand kilometers we are trying to find like uh, a place a place to buy and and to and to make a hostel you know or or like you know hmm. to create something you know for us and during this trip was was really nice and everything but like uh, there was like a few situations that's like you know we got robbed you know a guy came and put a gun in my head and uh You know, in the end of the trip, she was like, Rodrigo, like uh, your country is very beautiful. People are uh, very like friendly, the food, the weather. It's like, you know, I can't can't move here. You know, I'm blonde, Mm -hmm. my eyes green. People know that I'm a tourist, you know, I don't feel safe here. Mm -hmm. Why don't you come to Sweden with me instead, you know? And then I was like, wow, let's go and then i moved to sweden that, that was there was there was like uh, there was like uh, 2013 12 no there was 2012. and then we 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 moved to sweden you know i used to to make fun out of her because every time she she was speaking swedish with her her sister I was like, oh my god, your language sounds so sounds like Star Wars language. <laughs> I was like, don't don't make fun out of my language. She was like, say I was like, it sounds so weird. And then it's like, you know, after a while I was waking up seven o'clock in the morning and going to school to learn Swedish. It was just like, you know, life is <laughs> life is a box of chocolate. Like Forrest, Ma- yeah. <laughs> like Forrest used to say, <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get, you know. And then I was just like, cool, you know. I never I never planned to move to Sweden, but it's like, you know, the
1: opportunity arrives and they just say yes, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you're, I was gonna say that you're like a fuck yes person, you have an opportunity in front of you, it's like, let's go, let's go, yeah, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. and uh. Okay. I don't regret. Like it's a beautiful country, you know. I love I love Sweden. I love Sweden a lot. Uh, Nowadays I live there between April and December, and between December and April I live in in Brazil. So it's like you know, it's uh, I get summer, spring, summer, autumn, summer. Like two summers, spring and and autumn. Like it's it's it works very well for me. So it's like it's amazing. So it's nice. That sounds
0: ideal. Compromise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Avoiding winter at all costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. It's like uh, I after my injuries, like uh, I start having like chronic pain, you know, and uh, I have neuropathic pain and muscle spasticity. And uh, during the uh, the winter time, my muscles get really tight, so my pain increases. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, I come to Brazil. Yeah. People like, always like, wow, this sounds so cool. But it's like, you know, me living in Brazil is actually a, a, a habitation time that, you know, I'm here. You know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, uh, if, I could, if I could stay in Sweden, you know, I would stay because like, you know, I've got an apartment there my car is there. I've got to work there, you know, like my friends and everything. So like, I kind of come here live with my mother, you know, we live in a country, it's really nice here, but it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's like, it's, it feels like being, 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 being away a little bit, you know, but it's, it's it's good, it's good, it's good, yeah.
1: So, you, you mentioned uh, about your accident, and maybe just for the people listening, and maybe for the people watching that, don't know anything about you uh you're in a wheelchair yeah and you mentioned about an accident can you tell us a little bit about what what happened and and your injury
2: yeah it's like uh, after two years i moved to sweden uh mm-hmm. funnily enough me and my ex-girlfriend we decided such broke up you know and then we did break up mm-hmm. and uh I was I was like very sad, and uh, I I decided to to go backpacking, you know. And then mm-hmm. I I took a bus from Lima, Peru, to all the way down to to Argentina. You know, I did a loop around South America for like three months, and uh, I did a lot of hiking, a lot a lot of climbing. And then I get to Brazil to visit my mother, and then my mother she lives. And uh, very close to a national park. It's full of hills here, rivers, water. It's a very beautiful place. Filled with nature. And uh, I went I went uh, to a hill with my brother, you know. And uh, I fell. You know, I fell from a cliff, from my bank mats. And I had this complete spinal cord injury. You know, I, I'm i paralyzed from the chest down. Was uh, Was a bad day. So from 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 that day on it's like I become paraplegic so I can't walk. You know, I I have a complete injury. So it's like I live in a wheelchair now. That was that was twenty fourteen. So yeah, that was what happened, you know, it's uh was like a curved ball that came to me and then I couldn't I couldn't do anything about it. You know, but it's like uh, I'm I'm learning to live with it you know it's like you know it's uh was like a tough real tough 3 years afterwards you know I was I was a little bit lost but now I'm okay now you know I am I feel I feel I feel much better about it now but it was was difficult
1: so when so that happened in Brazil yeah uh, how long did you have to stay in Brazil to, I guess, get some rehabilitation and some...
2: Uh, no, like it's some like, uh, what happened? No, uh, what happened is like, uh, I, had, uh, I had the travel insurance, you know. Oh, ah, okay. That's very important, guys. Buy te- buy travel insurance.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. You know, you don't want to buy it because like, oh, no, it's more money now. Just buy it. Just buy it. I had a travel insurance and then uh, I had an accident here. I got operated here. And then my ex-girlfriend told me, she called me. I was in a hospital. She said, Rodrigo, I just got in touch with your travel insurance. And if you want, she's going to send you a Swedish doctor and they're going to hire a plane and they're going to bring you back to Sweden. Something mm-hmm. something like 200,000 pounds to cost everything. And I was like, yeah, do it. <coughs> And then uh, we did set up that, and then after I think it was after eleven days, I went back to Sweden, and then I did the full rehabilitation of four months in Sweden, you know. And then uh, I was I was living in denial for a little bit, and then I came back to Brazil. I did another rehabilitation for like two months, you know. We 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 were trying to to hear different neurologists, you know, doing different things. But, and then it's like, you know, I I have heard like, I don't know, six or seven very decent neurologists that told me the same thing. And then I was like, okay, cool. Let's just live like this then. What can we do now, you know? And life goes on. But uh, I was like Sweden for like four months and then Brazil for like two months. And then um, and then I move and then I come back to to Sweden and start moving by myself. You know, and then from that time on, I do like, uh, you know, eight months in Sweden and four months in Brazil, I'm, you know, just going back and forth. And uh, yeah.
1: Do you think the way your mom raised you and all the values that were that that she taught you when you were younger, uh how much did that help to navigate through those <laughs> it's dark it's just like fingers?
2: it's just like uh it helped me so much, Jeremy, because you know as I told you uh it taught me to look the glass how full all the time, you know. Mm. I had time, I had time that I feel pity for myself, you know. I was like, fucking hell. It's like, you know, life was so good, and it's like, now I'm in a wheelchair, I've got pain, I cannot do a lot of things, you know, but it's like, it doesn't last for long, you know. I, you know, I I watch myself thinking like this way, and then I change straight away, you know. Mm. And it uh, was, was like, you know, I think was the best thing that uh, happened to me that I had this upbringing that's like of gratitude, that I I learned how yeah. to see things this way. I remember that <laughs> that's that's a fun story. I remember that I was I, I was like uh, in the in the hospital, like two days after my accident, and then I had so much drugs on my system that I was high all the time. You know, I was really high, and then I was coming down. And then the pain used to be like, it's crucial. And then it's like, I need more drugs. And then it's like, I was just like going to drugs and pain, drugs and pain all the time. Yeah. But I remember, I remember it well. That's like, uh, uh, she had some friends that came to visit me. Because when someone suffers spinal cord injury, it's not just you. It's like, it, it involves your whole family and uh she wasn't she wasn't very well, you know, but she was she was beside me all the time sleeping in the hospital and everything and then her friend came to 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 visit us, and then I overheard the conversation that she was talking to her friend, and then her friend was like <coughs> or uh so he never gonna walk again or it's like um uh, this is quite sad, but tell me, Haza. Her name is Haza. How do you feel? How, how are you feeling now? And then she was like, Wow, I feel very grateful. And then I was like, Fucking hell, man. Really? No. I want to know what's going to happen. I was like, Grateful for what? <coughs> and then she was like, uh, You know, shit, this is, this is very emotional. She was like, I was. I am grateful that I can be here to help him because, like, he was in Peru like a month ago, and then he was in the Atacama Desert, and a month like twenty days ago. If he had felt there, you know, I I might not even be able to to help him to save him, you know, or to found him, you know. And it's like, you know, even in the deepest dark moment, you know, she she found a bright thing to focus on to bring herself out of that situation. And uh, Mm. Jesus Christ, this is just like, you know uh, it's just lesson after lesson you have, you know, I'm just like, wow, it makes a lot of sense, you know. So it's like instead of thinking, All right, I will be like this, it's like, you know, you you've got the power to change your perspective all the time, you know. It's just it's just your your mindset, the way you think.
1: And uh I gave me
0: goosebumps that is so powerful to have that like yeah, mindset and to be able to do that. It's incredible. Yeah,
1: yeah easier said than done.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Easier said than done, exactly. And uh it's uh I'm more vigilant now, you know. I I I I hear the talks, you know, the self sabotage talks that I'm not good enough talks that my life is shit. Talks that somebody else has more things than me talks, and then I just shut up these talks in my head. You know, mm. <clears throat> and uh, it's a uh, it's a thing that I, I've been I've been cultivating since I was a kid. And has you answer? Uh, has 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 you 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 ask me that, Jeremy? It's like you know, it's uh, I think I think it helped me so much to be able to do that after my accident. Mm. Otherwise, it, yeah, it would be much harder for me, you know.
1: Yeah, because I think, um, not to make a generalization, but you know, most of the time, people have this enlightenment or get very aware of things like that after the, the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. They, they they live the life they live the life taking everything for granted. and, you know maybe not being super grateful. Some shitty thing happen, and from there, well, they either take a dark path and fell into maybe a victim mentality, or they realized how precious life is and they become very self-aware and grateful for everything. But because you had this set of tool in your toolbox from an early age, that must have helped tremendously to, to navigate and to go through the dark times yeah. uh, that you experienced.
2: Yeah, it did so much, mm. uh, so much. Incredibly, it's like so grateful for that, you know.
1: How long did it take you to between the accident to when you decided in your head okay I've got I'm still young, I still have years and years and years to live. I can't just do nothing of my life. I need to keep going. I need to work on something and, and enjoy my life and do everything I want. How long did it take you to to get to this point?
2: I think it was about like uh I was I was I was working and uh, like one year after my accident, I was I I start working in this NGO in the south of Sweden, and uh, I was like uh, busy taking like driving license, you know, again, you know, buying a, an adaptive car, you know, learning how to navigate the world in a wheelchair, traveling in a wheelchair again. I was doing things like this. I was always busy you know with my mind but sometimes when you know it got dark outside and you know you need to go to bed and you know it was difficult it was really difficult you know i had bad thoughts in my mind and uh i think i think it took i never stopped doing things but uh, it took it took about 3 years for me to you know to get to that phase that's like to accept everything that happened to me and you know to mm. to be happy again you know i was i was i was very sad for a long time for like three years i was really sad you know but i was i was i was doing things at the same time which like uh you know i am i'm i am very very grateful to to uh, to have the opportunity because you know if I stay in my house locked in for during that time would would have been much harder, so it's like I start doing stuff very early yeah. Yeah. i had i had uh, I had a really, really good rehabilitation you know I think I had the best rehabilitation, like you know I got prepared to live yeah. in the disabled body really fast, so I start doing it
1: mm. And I'm curious, um, once you mentally decided, okay, I need to move on and I'm going to go back to work, I'm going to learn how to drive again, you know, so there is this, the first step is you to decide you're ready for all that. Oh. And then the second step is how the fuck do I navigate this world that is built you know by able-bodied people for most of the li- mostly able-bodied people how, how like you know you you must have faced a shit ton of challenges uh, yeah. just to do stuff because because our society is not um is is, is you know it's not very prepare, I think, for yeah. people in wheelchairs, and stuff like that, like most of things or not. Yeah. So how, how was that? It
2: was tough. It's like uh, uh, a sexability rely to rely on a sexability. Uh, it's like uh, it limitates you more than you're uh, limited already. So it's like it's mm. tough.
3: Yeah.
2: But it's like I think what was more difficult for me was how how I was seen, you know, like how people see Rodrigo after the accident, you know, that was tough because in my, because in my mind, uh, I'm still the same person, just my body that is limited, but in society's minds, I am the disabled person, you know, I am the guy that should be pity, you know, or I am the guy that should, should, should be inspirational. I am one or all the other, you know, and I hate and I hate that, you know, it's like, you know, I I I navigate in the world that's like, it's very difficult for me to find people that treat Rodrigo how Rodrigo is, you know, mm. I'm generally, you know, that bad ass guy that has gone through an accident and come back stronger than ever. That's like, you know, inspirational porn kind of person. Or I am the pity person, you know, oh, poor you, really, mm-hmm. life must, must be hard, you should go to Brazil, you have got pain, that's not good. And then it's like, you know, like, I think uh, that is the hardest thing, you know, to mm. uh, to, uh, to be yourself, you know, and people just to treat you for who you are, you know, mm. without labeling you you know just like because you are disabled you know and it's like uh it's difficult you know it's a lot of uh a lot of shit things that happens to me afterwards that makes me sad that make me be an activist as well you know to to speak out you know to do the work i do as well and to you know to uh, to uh, to create like blogs that talks about accessibility as i did in in the past you know, before becoming a yoga teacher, I used to I used to travel, and then I used to reveal accessibility in the cities. You know, where you can go if you're wheelchair users, have a coffee, or where you can stay. You know, and then I used yeah, I used to work with that, and I used to love it. Uh, but it's like Corona hit, and then you know you cannot travel when Corona is, so. But it's like uh, that. That is like the way that people see you is the worst. You know yeah because like uh, they they have like an assumption that your life is worthless (laughs) you know (laughs) i had people that came to me i had i had people that came to me and say to me in a bar and say to me wow if that has happened to me i would have to die (laughs) i was like wow thank you for that (laughs) (laughs) And then and then and then it's like, you know you're just like there is there are idiots everywhere, but it's like, you know, it, it's yeah it's it's incredible like uh like uh uh a disability it's so it's so bad thing for in a society eyes, you know. It's just like yeah, have have a disability it's it's not fun. But it's like, you know, mm-hmm. your life can be fulfilled you know you can be happy yeah. you know you can live in live like a, a happy fulfilling life still you know
1: mm. yeah yeah i guess and correct me if i'm if i say something totally wrong and stupid but i guess it's yeah things are or can be harder for you on a daily basis because yeah to to do daily tasks as you know food shopping or whatever it might not be as easy as it as it was before as it is for other people but you can still experience pretty much everything that people experience yeah Uh, it's just a little bit more logistic yeah (laughs) uh, maybe for for you and yeah I, i think also you know it's probably an education issue is that and and this is the same for a lot of um societal problem i think uh, racism homophobia stuff like that is we are not very well educated about all those topics yeah i think um. as t- young young adults and everything the the only education that we get on that is through the tv most of the time exactly and 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 usually in a tv when you see someone in the wheelchair is never a very good representation of people of disabled people um exactly and I, and I guess that and i guess that's why people have this uh either very oh look at poor you or inspirational guy because that's usually what we see on the tv or online most of the time we don't see the normal people doing normal boring things uh just being people living the life you're com- the wheelchair we always see the the extremes right yeah I think.
2: you're completely right yeah yeah this is this is what happened you know that's a shame though
1: so how do you think we can change that
2: well i think i think we change that with representativity we change that like uh, making it normal we change that like creating like uh cities that are more uh, accessible you know now i'm talking about structures you know that's like i can get in and out you know to bars restaurants schools universities You know, we need disabled people in politics and and arts and culture on TV. We need disabled people doing things, you know, working. uh, You know, we need to go out and see disabled people, you know, doing mundane day-to-day stuff, you know, because it's normal, it's normal. You know, one thing that I I, I love about uh, Sweden, it's like uh, every time I, I go out, I see a disabled person. You know, I see them. Mm. Mm. You know, I go to a supermarket, there is a, a wheelchair user. I go to a, a cinema, mm. there is a wheelchair user there. I go to a bar, there is a uh, wheelchair user. You know, they have a sex to work, they have a sex to, to good pay, they have a sex to uh, to contribute to, to the growth of the society. You know, because in many countries, like like in Brazil as well if you are a disabled person you know they give you like a uh, uh, a certain amount of money and then they keep you inside the house that's it you know you you cannot contribute to, yeah. to society anymore you know you are a invalid person and this person this mindset they be, they start believing that they are invalid so they don't do anything yeah. you know they don't have opportunities so it's like uh, we need to create like a uh, 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 like uh, uh, social programs to integrate disabled people back to work, you know, back to society, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, create like uh, representativities, examples and all part of societies, as I mentioned before, you know, that's the way it's gonna change. It's the same with gay people, like Jeremy just just mentioned. It's, it's, it's the same with black folks, you know, black people. You know, yeah. we need to have black people everywhere. We need to have gay people everywhere. You know, we need to have disabled people mm-hmm. everywhere, fat people everywhere. You know, we are people. You know, mm.
3: it's
2: not it's not just yeah. like you know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think for like uh, the last thing you say, Jeremy, you are on point. It's like you know, straight A for you. It's like exactly that. It's like uh, you know, we need. Uh, 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 the same thing that happened to us is happened through other marginalized groups of society, and you know the way to yeah. to change it. It's it's making it normal, you know, like you know, get people opportunities. You know? yeah. When you go, yeah. when you go to to a, to a supermarket, or when you switch on the TV and see someone in a wheelchair, or you see a politician in a wheelchair or something. When you go out and see folks in a wheelchair going on you know living their lives it's not going to be surprising anymore you know people don't know how to treat a, a disabled person because it's 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 generally it's it's, uh, it's still generating that uh you know that that uh that sense of new you know how 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 do you treat this person i don't know mm. you know i never mm. i remember that's like uh i used to work in the hospitality business and hotels and restaurants and pubs in London for eight years. I never ever came across a a disabled person before, you know? Mm. Mm. I was ableist myself when I became disabled. I didn't know how to treat people, you know? I was like, shit, how do I do, you know? So Mm. it's like I don't judge people for them, you know, not to treat me the way I I would like to be treated. I'm not judging. I'm not saying, oh, you're doing it wrong. I just say that's like, you know, we should create opportunities to educate everyone, you know. Mm.
0: I think there's also a fear of like saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or looking at someone a certain way. Even if you look at other people the same way, there's always that kind of fear of doing something wrong to upset whoever it is. I think that's also, I mean, that's something that I bear in mind. I don't know about other people, but.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think, the I think the maybe from from what you said, I think the biggest mistake that we tend to do is probably we maybe spend too much time trying to think on about how should I treat this person when actually it doesn't matter if this person is in a wheelchair or no I should just treat her as a person as like like you said before i should treat you right now yeah let's say i knew you before Mm. i should treat you right now as i would have treated you before your accident exactly yeah yeah like Mm. i should maybe stop overthinking that like oh i should you know how what should i say to this person yeah say whatever you would say to yeah the same guy that's standing next to him it doesn't matter yeah
2: Mm. yeah (laughs) i i always Uh. say uh i i always say to apply the golden rule do you know the golden rule no. Nope. Yeah. Uh, after we finish the talk, just just Google the golden rule. The golden rule is is like uh, to treat people the way you'd like to be treated. It's simple. Oh, yeah. It's simple as that. Yeah. So simple. Yeah. So simple. So simple. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like uh, it's like uh, coming back for uh, uh, to what uh, Jeremy said as well. It makes it makes a lot of uh, there is a lot of truth on 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 uh on on the statement that he made is like uh uh the media portrayed disabled people like you know when you see a disabled person on tv he's all uh, on these sensationalist programs you know tv shows mm. that's like you know and the narrative is always the same you know the guy went down and it's like you know was really depressed was really tough and then he came back to to life is stronger than ever and he's a hero. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know, it's, it's one after the other. Mm-hmm. All the Hollywood films, when, when they touch about disability, that is the narrative. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't learn this on school, if you don't have a disabled person in your family or in your friends, you don't know how to, how to, how, 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 how to treat one. So the, all the information you got from, from films, on TV, from media, you know, that's how you're going to learn. And mm. they are bad teachers. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you said that you, you started yoga when you were 28 years old in London. Yeah. And when did you, at what point did you reconnect with your practice uh, after your accident?
2: Was, was, was straight away, Jeremy. I was in the rehabilitation center, and uh, I was like, uh, I think it was one month afterwards, I was feeling a lot of pain and feeling um, a lot of muscle spaticities in my legs. And then I had a, a, a physiotherapist called Anna, and then she was like, Rodrigo, I'm gonna teach you some stretch that you can do in bed. So you're going to decrease your spasticity. And then she was showing me some movements. And then I remembered, I was like, wow, I learned this movement right here when I was doing Bikram yoga when I was living in London. And then I was like, wow, maybe I I can incorporate some of this exercise right here and then create a practice. And then I remember that I took my computer and then I Googled it, like yoga for paraplegics or yoga wheelchair yoga or something like that. I don't remember what. But I remember that I got to a teacher called Maffel Sanford, you know. He's a yoga teacher. He's a paraplegic. I've got a T3 complete, you know. T3 means that's like... uh, My injury is in the third vertebrae of the thorax, you know. And uh, he has a T4. I was like, even the injury is quite similar. And now again, I'm telling you the power of representativity. When I saw him practicing yoga, you know, doing yoga, I, you know, I got in touch with him straight away. And I said, listen, I did yoga before. I'm going through a lot of pain, a lot of spasticity. I really would like, like to, to learn yoga from you, you know? Uh, I want to be your student. Can you teach me? And then I start studying with him straight away. That was like seven years ago. Mm. And then I was like doing it daily, you know? All the, all the variations, all the, the exercises, you know? And then I combined that with mindfulness, boom. It's like cooking with gas. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> no, life is good again. It's, inter- it's, in-
0: <laughs> it's interesting when you, so during our yoga teacher training, we did um, yoga for all different types of people. And it was interesting, mm. like doing a yoga routine for somebody who could be on a mat or in a chair or in bed mm. and having the same cues and the same poses and have all three people practice the same way. And I think that's so powerful to be able to teach mm anyone, really, because I think a lot of times in yoga, it's kind of very ableist in yeah. you know, a way of teaching. Yeah. But actually, you can teach everyone if you just change the way that you see it and the language that you use and maybe some of the poses that you like yeah. combine together yeah, or just the ways that you teach yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. You can actually teach everyone. And it's I think it's I mean, obviously, you're going to be part of the yoga teacher training that Jeremy's working on as well. So it'd be interesting to see your version of that as well within the course. But
2: yeah, yeah, it's just we are working on it. I,
0: yeah. yeah, and I think, I, I don't understand now, having done that program, why all yoga teachers can't do that. Yeah. Like, why can't they just teach everyone the same way? Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I don't know. I'm just just thinking, just thinking out loud.
2: <laughs> yeah, I get, I, I get you, Rosie. But we're going to change that.
0: <laughs> yeah, good.
2: I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Definitely going to change
1: that, yeah. How... What was the process of becoming a yoga teacher? Because this you know, uh, you were practicing yoga for years, you connected with this there was, the, this guy who became a mentor, but I mm, becoming a teacher is another step, you know. Yeah,
2: there was there was an accident, you know. I used to work I don't used to work, I still work I am a mentor of like uh, I I work in this organization called Art Active Rehabilitating. It's a Swedish nonprofit that uh, organizes camps for newly injured folks, you know, all over Scandinavia. It's like uh, around 160, 180 people have accidents a year in Sweden. You know, they become either paraplegics or quadriplegics. And then these organizations, you know, it's a, it's a place that's like uh, we go and then we teach them. We teach newly injury folks how to become independent. You know, we teach them sports. We teach them how to swim. We we talk to them about bowel programs like blood management, how to traveling, how to drive in a car. You know, we, we talk to them about, uh, like, sexuality. You know, it's right after, you know, the the rehabilitation center and, and then they come to us. We generally spend like fifteen days with them. And uh it's a very meaningful work. I've been doing that like every summer, you know I do that like uh, sometimes twice or three times a year, sometimes only during the summertime. And uh in one occasion, you know uh has we lived together for like you know, twelve days or thirteen days. We we live in this very beautiful hotel by the seaside in Sweden. It's a very nice place. And then we live together. We all together. It's like around twenty-five nearly injury folks and us. You know, about ten or or fifteen mentors. We talk too much. You know, we talk all the time. We sleep together. We do things together. And uh, uh, I heard a lot of conversations. Uh, of of uh, of people complaining about pain, and complaining about uh, spasticity. And there is a medication called baclofen uh, that everyone takes, you know, against spasticity. It's a it's a natural, you know, it's a it's a muscle relaxant, you know. Mm-hmm. But the point is, if you take that, you know, it works against your spasticity. But instead of like uh, Relaxing only the muscles of your back and your and your legs that you want to relax, it relaxes the whole muscle. So you become very tired, very fatigued. Hmm.
3: Hmm.
2: And then I was hmm. like, uh, I told I told him, no, listen, uh, I'm gonna show you something that i, I I've been doing on my body that's like uh, I ditch baclofen. I'm not take, I'm, I'm not saying you to stop taking baclofen. You know, I'm not that unresponsible. But it's like, I'm gonna teach you a set of uh, of stretchings. You know, we call it adaptive yoga. And then uh, if it works for you, you know, you can do it like every morning. You know, after you sit in a wheelchair for three hours, you do it again. You know, before bed you do it. You know, and uh, even though I wasn't certified. You know, I didn't even think about becoming a yoga teacher. I was teaching them that, you know. I remember that one day uh, after hearing this complaint, I say, no, 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 I'm going to teach everyone yoga today, you know. The place where we used to, to stay was very accessible. And we had, like, uh, uh, these um, students that were there doing, like, internship, like, physiotherapy students. So I had a lot of people w- with me. I remember that I took like seven physiotherapy students and then I said, let's set up this room and uh, we're going to have a yoga section here like for half an hour. And then uh, we were like about seven, seven or or six paraplegics. I put them around me and then there was like uh, some five or four like quadriplegics as well. We took them out of the chair, lined them on the floor, you know, and then I had like uh, one, uh, one assistant with every one of them. And then I started teaching them yoga, just like, you know, out of the blue. It's like, you know, everything that I, I've been doing for me, I was doing for them. And then I remember that it's like, uh, fucking hell, sorry. Uh, I had people come to me and then they said to me, wow. That was the first time since, since my accident that I actually stayed in my body, that I I, I actually came back to it, that I actually was present, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, you know, the class became like a support group, basically, you know? There was a lot of grief, a lot of sadness, but uh it was one of the best things I've done in my life. I was yeah. like, wow, mm-hmm. so powerful. And, uh, I remember that you know I I could see how how better they they were you know they became and how important for them it was you know and then after that I was just like fucking hell, I need to be a yoga teacher now there is no way back you know it's like nothing that I have done in my life <laughs> brings me this sense of purpose you know this mm. you know it's it's like you know I. I'm not teaching yoga. I'm like, you know, I am, I am creating presence in, in the room, like surround people that has been through trauma. And it's like, you know, we are, we are holding on to each other. And, you know, there is so much more than yoga, you know, if you see that. Anyway, I got in touch with like uh, Matthew Sanford and then I told him I need to become a teacher. <laughs> I need to be a teacher, and then uh, he was like, "Okay, Rodrigo, if you want to be a teacher, I'm gonna teach you. You need to come to Minnesota, you know, in Minneapolis, is where his nonprofit is, Mind Body Solution. And then you need to come here three times, you know, because you need to to do a 200 hours course first, and then after you finish that, you come to me, and then we're gonna divide it in three workshops." of like 10 days each. And I was like, wow, that is too much. I'm not going to be able to afford hotel, going back and forth. And, uh, yeah. and then I was like, OK, cool. I put that in the back of, of my mind again. Next year, I went to the camp again. Same thing happened, same thing. And I was like, my god, am I going to be a yoga teacher again? This is crazy. And then the next year, Corona hit the world and every course, everything became available online. You know? Everything. Yeah. Mafia Sanford sent me an email. Yeah, our course is going to be available online now. No one thought about that before. You know? No one Mm -hmm. thought about that before. So it's like Corona was actually a good thing to make things accessible for us. Mm -hmm. And then I... And then I, I I took the course and then I educate myself, you know. Uh, I took like uh, Giovanna's Heyman course as well. That for me was like, you know, another very like eye-opening, you know, and inspirational course to see what yoga really is, you know. Mm-hmm. Because until then I have that, uh, you know, that Bikram yoga, you know, kind of, Vision and my mind. It's like you know, it's an exercise kind of thing, you know. And and then I got myself more into philosophy and it's serving, helping, you know, compassion, self-love, self-care, and all that. And uh, you know, I am in the process of building my my own nonprofit now, you know, and teaching teaching folks with disabilities. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that now for like two years. I am like uh, an. A, a, I became a teacher like uh, a year and a half ago two years ago you know it's like i i'm not like you know uh, i don't have a lot of experience let's say you know it's like i'm a teacher for like two years max you know Mm -hmm. but it's like uh was something that happened and i never planned to be a teacher and uh, i'm very i'm very grateful for that because it it gave my life purpose and it gave it gave my life like a sense of responsibility to help others, you know. Mm. And uh, I'm very happy to be able to do that. To be honest,
3: yeah.
2: You know, life, 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 uh, life has put me in a unique position, you know, to mm. to help. And uh, I don't know if uh, you guys had this opportunity to to feel how much, how much you help yourself when you help others. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a win-win, you know, profession to have. You know, I wake up in the morning, sometimes I have five students, some, 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 sometimes seven students, sometimes only one student. You know, I give like one or two yoga classes. I don't, I don't even feel like working, to be honest. I feel like working when I do the marketing part of it and yeah. you know, all because I am like one man band. So I like to 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 like create web designs and you know, graph designs and marketing that's work, but it's like teaching yoga, that's not work. Mm. You know?
3: mm.
2: Yeah,
1: it's it's really amazing how um, it came to you and in a sense the, you you said Dice, you you're teaching yoga, but you're not teaching yoga. You're creating a space for those people to reconnect with their body, in a sense that they've probably never experienced before. And mm. you are giving them a set of tools uh, that's going to help them just improve their life and 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 feel better. Yeah yoga is just a tool for that yeah you yeah you you you're doing it to help those people because you know what it feels Mm -hmm. and you've been there yeah and you and 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 luckily you have the tool to help them which is which is amazing there's a lot of things you know that you've said that that i didn't know uh i am very ignorant to be honest about um disability and all the consequences i i didn't know that um chronic pain and and muscle pain and everything was was something that was that was happening when you were in a wheelchair i, I really didn't know anything about that to be honest so yeah yeah thank you for for sharing about that
2: no no worries it's like uh, what people see it's like what is the visual part of it? it's like i can't walk right but like, uh, if you go yeah. through a spinal cord injury, you don't have control of your blood anymore. You need to use a catheter to pee. You don't have control of your bowel. You know, you don't have control of your sexual organs. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah, as you as you uh, uh, stay in the same position for a long time, your legs become rigid, and then you 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 have like these muscles, you know, cramps all the time, and that generates pain, chronic pain. Mm-hmm. You know, we we, we have like uh, so many other shoes that's like, you know, people don't know, and uh, mm. the main the main of it, it's like uh, is the psychological issue that's like you have been going through trauma. You know, the ability, especially when you acquire the ability, it's a, it's an uppercut, <laughs> you know, on the face. Mm. It's it's tough. It's difficult. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the trauma that you go through, it's, it's really hard because like uh, your body is not very welcoming anymore, Jeremy and Rosie. It's like you live, in, you live in your body, that's like you actually don't wanna be there because your body brings you pain. Your body reminds you that you cannot do a lot of stuff. You know, your body is not like a, a good host anymore. And uh, when I start doing yoga and then I start being present and being on my body again, it's like this sense of acceptance, of self-compassion that I start having towards me and towards my situation was enormous, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like the benefit that I can bring that to other people, is, it's, it's gigantic, you know? It's, it's, it's just like much more than just stretching a muscle. You know, yoga, it's a tool of, of like, self acceptance self-discovery, mm-hmm. or self-rediscovery, you know. It's, it's, like, a tool that you're going you're gonna to have for your whole life, you know. And uh, if you live in a disabled body, it's just, like, it's the time that you need the most. Because, like, uh, you generally don't want to be in your body. You want to be outside of it. You want to take drugs, you know. You want to you, you wanna numb the pain, you know. You don't want to be with the pain you want to shut it up, you
0: know. Thank you for being so honest with us and open and raw. Like, it's, like it's just, it's, like I don't think I've, this is going to sound bad, to me, but I don't think I've ever spoken to somebody in a wheelchair before about their experience or about what might happen physically, but also, you know, mentally. Like, I've never, I just never have done it, which is why, no. you know. These conversations are so important because I'm learning, but I'm sure lots of people listening and watching are learning as well. Yeah. so it's, thank you for sharing.
2: It's a pleasure to be here and to educate and to to help. You know,
0: mm.
2: we we need more of this. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. I I didn't know a lot of the things that you explained to be honest. So thank you for sharing and educating us
2: mm. um, it's a pleasure
1: because yeah that, that's why we need it that's why we do it to be <laughs> honest uh we happen to publish the video and the recording but also selfishly we like to do that because we learn from every single conversation that we have you know and uh and there is always a lot of value and it's making us better human being and 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 you know the way yeah just just a very important message so yeah thank you for 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 sharing all that Uh, very very appreciate it
2: you're welcome you're welcome
1: so if people want to find you online learn from you uh, message you whatever what is the best way to reach out to you
2: yeah uh, the best way to reach out to me it's like uh, I I have a website called alihopa alihopa yoga Alihop with two L's, yoga uh, dot com. Alihop is my favorite word, mm-hmm. and uh, favorite Swedish word. Sorry, alihop is a Swedish word that stands for all together. You know, all. Mm. Yeah, it's like. Uh, and I think uh, uh, this is the core of the project that I'm, you know, running now. It's like, you know, I think. We can get together, practice yoga, be in our bodies, be present. You know, it's very welcoming, very inclusive. You know, if you have gone through a trauma or disability, you know, you are more than welcome. And uh, you can find me there. I am on the social media as well, like uh, Instagram and Facebook, same name Alihopa Yoga. You know, Rodrigo Souza Alihopa Yoga. You guys can can uh, can find me there.
1: Yeah, Yeah. everything will be linked in the description anyway so people will easily find you I'm very very excited honestly to even if I'm supposed to be on the organizer side of the training I'm very excited to watch your videos to learn about everything you're going to be talking about during the training because I've realized during this one hour conversation there's a lot of things I don't know anything about and you're going to be filming a few hours of content for the training, mm. and I'm very, very excited to to watch those videos and and learn from them. To be honest, because um, cool. I think that was a little glimpse of, of you and everything that you do. But I'm I'm very curious to dive into the yeah the the details. Nice so, one, yeah, thank you once again. Nice thank one, you. and uh, thank you so
2: much for you know like uh, giving me the opportunity to educate, you know, to talk about things. You know, and uh, it's. Uh, I think it's important. You know, it's important for for the disabled community, to to be given. You know, a place of of we can, we can voice. You know, our thoughts and mm. and the way you know we live. Open people's perspectives, minds. You know, to. Create like a, a more welcoming society, inclusive and equitable for everyone. Thank you so much, guys. And respectful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. We've got one last question for you before we end the show.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> this might
0: be a bit of a curveball. It's one that we ask everybody when we remember. Um, so if you could speak to anybody, dead or alive, famous or not, it can literally be anybody ever. Who you think would be super interesting? You would love to ask them lots of different questions. Who would you choose, and why?
2: Oh, that's a that's a difficult question. <laughs> Dead or alive, I would. Um, let me see. It's like um, uh, gr- growing up with my 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 grandmother when i left my my mother's place when I left my mother's place when I was seventeen i was i was very immature back then I was like coming out of my teenagehood and uh I had an amazing opportunity to get to know her better. And I was just like having, you know, silly conversations and, and things. And uh, I'm so aware of it now that's like uh, all the time that I spend with my mother, I, I try to be there, I try to be present because I know that, you know, life changes from one day to the other. And uh, all the cool conversations, you know, about her childhood, about the way she thinks, about, you know, I try to have it with her now, so I can can learn more from her. If I if I would have the opportunity, I would go back in time, and had these meaningful conversations with my grandmother, so I would be able to get know her better, much more than I mm. I had. You know, I had a very short period of time with her, like three years, and uh, I could had use that time more in a more meaningful way so it's like uh i'm going to give you a good tip guys if your grandparents are alive hang out with them you know get them drunk get them talking have a great (laughs) time with them and because like uh, i regret not doing that you know and uh, yeah Mm. that's my answer (laughs) because like uh, thank you for sharing yeah because like uh, we only valorize things when we lost you know we lose them and then it's was like wow yeah i could i could have done that you know and uh and uh you can have like a, a such great like conversations with with your parents and with your grandparents you know and and learn so much from them and uh You know, I I think I would love to have another opportunity to do that.
1: Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rodrigo, for sharing this and and everything you've been talking about. I truly appreciate your time for educating us, to be honest. Mm. Uh, That's that's the way I'm going to put it. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you, Rosie. And you guys stay well, okay, and look after each other. I hope to see you guys again sometime.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah thank you so much for everyone listening and watching we hope you find value in this episode and yeah we will see you again next wednesday for a brand new episode as usual
0: yeah thank you so much rodrigo
1: bye